Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari's weekly Zoo News episode. Uh, this is our look at all things newsworthy in the world of zoos and aquariums, conservation, and uh, animal stuff. I'm really excited to have you all here, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's the start of Zoo News for Season 3, so welcome to Season 3 Zoo News! Woo! Yay! Anyway, um, speaking of, of new things, uh, if you are listening to this on Friday, July 29th, when it drops, I am going to be um, at... Mount Gretna, the theater at Mount Gretna, tonight and tomorrow, performing a brand new show called Less Honkin', More Tonkin'. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the name of the show. Uh, this is a country kind of tribute show that is um, written by my buddy Jason, who uh, I do Great Balls of Fire with, and he wrote that show as well. And uh, it's it's probably going to be a lot of fun. I don't know because I haven't really gotten to it yet. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday night and we'll be doing the show tomorrow. Um, our tech and, and running through everything. So uh, the, the people who are involved more heavily have been rehearsing a little bit, but uh, I have not. I'm just going to show up and play the drums because that's what I do and I'm pretty excited about it. But what I'm more excited about uh, is also musical. Um, so Miles is turning eight on August 10th. And uh, it's weird. It seems like that's that's his birthday every year. It's so strange. But any, yeah, even on a leap year. Yeah, so weird. I know, I know, right? But anyway, so um, Miles has really expressed an interest in learning guitar recently, y'all. And, uh, you know, he has a djembe uh, that Zoe brought him from Africa. And uh, that's a little hand drum for those of you that don't know that. I mean, they, they make quite large ones as well, but his is little. And uh, like my mom's gotten him a harmonica and stuff. Um, he got a keyboard, but never got any lessons and never really learned it. But this is the first time that he has really expressed a real interest in a musical instrument. So, uh, you know, professional musician dad here is is all in on making this an awesome experience. So when I was visiting with uh, him today, I took him to Guitar Center and we sat with a bunch of acoustic guitars and then electric guitars. And since he's just turning eight, uh, he needs to have a three-quarter size guitar. Uh, and and we found a, a gorgeous um, Martin acoustic guitar that was that size that was just 
beautiful and uh, wildly expensive for a kid's guitar. But, you know, of course, my son has good taste in instruments. It's it's genetic, I'm sure. And um, so he sat and he strummed it. And, uh, you know, we went out and we, we had him play a little three-quarter size Stratocaster as well, the Fender electric guitar. And um, I don't know. He just, he really loved the acoustic guitar. And he looked at me and he said... Yeah, Dad, I don't know. The acoustic just speaks to me. It feels like home. And uh, I have to tell y'all that that melted my heart. Um, I I have, you know, very uh, deep relationships with some musical instruments. There are some drum sets that I am madly in love with. There are some drum sets that I, I have to play on that I, I tolerate. It's a thing, and it's hard to say why. Sometimes some of the kits that I like are cheaper than the ones I don't like and stuff and, and technically not made of as good of materials or whatever. But I have to tell y'all, in my experience, sometimes an instrument just speaks to you, and that is... That is a beautiful thing. Like musicians have a bond with their instruments. Oftentimes we name them. It's it's a thing. And um so so yeah, so I'm really excited that Miles is really excited about playing guitar and I made him sit there and strum it and hold the strings down until his fingers got the little notches in them that when you get when you first start playing and like showed him that it will hurt and you have to kind of get through that pain and build some calluses and and told him you know there's there's this expression that musicians have where i played until my fingers bled because you do they do and we talked about it and he's still just like i don't care i feel like i'm supposed to do this let's do it so uh i'm getting him a guitar for his birthday and uh, my parents are going to get him a year of lessons i made miles commit to at least one year of of weekly lessons because if you're gonna do it you gotta do it right and uh yeah so that that is my big exciting news uh for this week miles is getting a guitar and uh, of course i'm looking for either that one at guitar center or or one like it that is a really good guitar even for starting off the the better the instrument the easier it is to to learn how to play on so that is my exciting news and uh i guess that's really all i have to say about that and no for those of you wondering i'm i'm not disappointed that it's not drums i'm just excited that he's excited about an instrument uh okay cool so yeah zoo news uh you can tag me uh at rossafari um on instagram and facebook and twitter or at rossafari pod on tiktok if you see any zoo news worthy uh articles out there or videos or whatever and uh you can also email me rossafari pod at gmail.com and uh, if you do that i'll say your name at the end of the episode when i'm saying thanks so uh cool do that and uh hit subscribe and follow all the things and do all the things and let's do zoo news one two three four ow there's a funky monkey treat so we're going to start off by talking about a new project that is being supported by four AZA accredited organizations, the Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens, the Maryland Zoo, the Milwaukee County Zoo, and the Memphis Zoo are all coming together to support a new program to try to help with elephant conservation in the wild. The project is being run by the nonprofit Elephants for Africa and uh, it involves a veterinarian heading out through Botswana's national parks in search of elephant bulls. Uh, 
So transient elephant males account for 99% of the population in the parks that they're going to. And uh, no one really knows what the uh, animals do as they travel through the parks, which makes them vulnerable to poaching. There's also just a ton of human-elephant conflict in the area. And um, in recent years, elephants have even extended the southern edge of their range uh, into the capital of Botswana, uh, Gaborone, which uh, is making things even worse in that area. So the goal is to dart 10 male elephants and then outfit them with satellite trackers. So hopefully... Uh, EFA can understand the likely movement patterns of African savanna elephants in Botswana and help deal with protecting them from poachers and protecting them and humans from human-elephant conflict. Just an awesome example of four zoos stepping up to fund some amazing in-situ conservation work that is desperately needed right now. The Columbus Zoo and Aquarium recently announced their impact report for the year 2021. And um, this is a 22-page document that talks about all kinds of stuff. Many uh, things in it have already appeared on Zoo News. But there were some really interesting numbers that I found absolutely fascinating in here. Um, So there are 1,032 animals that needed medical events, as they are termed. Uh, And there were 6,601 medical events performed on those animals in that year. That is 18 medical events per day, including 146 ultrasounds, 175 CT studies, and 282 radiograph studies. There were... 3,609 samples collected for diagnostic purposes from various animals. Uh, 1,811 fecal samples were collected and 1,510 blood samples were collected. And in total, the veterinary team there did 27,626 total tests on animals at the Columbus Zoo. That is absolutely incredible. And to be clear, that is just at the Columbus Zoo and does not include the wilds, which uh, have their own numbers. Under the heading Conservation and Sustainability, uh, the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium states that they supported 77 conservation projects, seven emergency projects, and that these projects were involved in over 24 countries. Uh, They have released two imperiled species back into the wild, 120 hellbenders and 134 American burying beetles. And they also recycled all kinds of cool stuff. I'm not going to go into all of the numbers because at some point it just gets crazy. And participated in 53 research projects that will help animals both in captivity and in the wild live better, fuller lives. Amazing work is being done at this zoo and zoos all around the country. Oh, and speaking of the Columbus Zoo, uh, they've entered into a partnership with Ohio State University, uh, which is pretty awesome. Basically, the uh, Ohio State Department of Athletics are giving field turf that is already used to the zoo. And the zoo is using it for enrichment and for indoor habitats and and for animals that uh, can benefit from it. Of course, you know, not all can, but many can. And uh, there are certain animals that really seem to love it, including flamingos, goats, and even the Komodo dragon at the zoo. Pretty cool. 
So you remember how um, last season, but just a few weeks ago, uh, I had an episode called the Shelter in Place Edition. And part of that was because people at Brookfield Zoo had to shelter in place because of somebody threatening harm to themselves and others. Well, uh, recently, people had to shelter in place at the Jacksonville Zoo. Now, no one actually threatened the zoo. However, there was a shooting that took place right outside the zoo uh, in which uh, even a police dog actually got shot, although it was expected to recover. Uh, and because of that, people were not allowed to leave the zoo because there was an active shooter scene happening outside of it. So, um... You know, I try not to be too political on this podcast outside of the politics of conservation and what can be done through legislation to help animals. And we'll actually talk about that more in conservation news. But um, yeah, this this gun thing's a little out of control in the country. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, and and I'm not actually completely anti-gun, uh, if I'm being honest with you. Um, happy to to share more personally if anybody is curious. This isn't the place for a diatribe, but uh, kind of feels like something needs to be done. I can't believe that we've had two different zoos have shelters in place. Shelter in places? Yeah, shelters in place orders. Shelter in place orders. There we go. In uh, the last couple weeks. And yeah, I'm leaving that in to try and be a little funny. It's a heavy topic, but it's also a fun podcast. We're trying here, folks. A new rhino has been born at Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo, and now you can help name her. The female eastern black rhino calf was born on July 9th, and uh, the calf is doing well. And uh, with only around 750 remaining eastern black rhinos in the wild, uh, it's, it's a pretty important birth. But yeah, now you can help name the calf. You can vote with a donation uh, either directly at the zoo at the Daniel Maltz Rhino Reserve or by going to futureforwildlife.org slash rhino naming. You can choose from Ali, meaning supreme, Anika, meaning sweet, and Dahlia, meaning gentle. All of the funds raised go to the African Wildlife Foundation, which protects rhinos by recruiting, training, and equipping wildlife scouts and anti-poaching patrols and supporting training for law enforcement officers to stop wildlife crime. Wait a minute. What's that sound? Oh no, this must mean... G'day, mates. It's time for news from Australia, so grab a Foster's and crack it open, because here we go. Throw another prawn on the barbie and let's get to it. No! Oh, come on, Ren. I'm just having fun. No. Okay, okay, okay. Jeez, I'll stop with the accent. Goodness. But you do at least admit that Vegemite sucks, Foster's is awesome, and the Outback Steakhouse is 100% authentic, right? No. All right. So I, uh, I recently discovered just a bunch of uh, stories from Australia and one from New Zealand that I thought were worth mentioning. So, uh... Here are those stories. First of all, uh, <laughs> there is some real controversy happening down under right now, y'all. Almost $3 million of taxpayer money that was given to a theme park in Queensland to develop a state-of-the-art facility to protect koalas has been diverted to build, you guessed it, a new roller coaster. The park is known as Dream World, and the um, koala facility was going to be known as the Future Lab. And um, yeah, so during budget estimate hearings this week, the uh, Queensland government's uh, tourism minister 
uh, were forced to admit that they did not know what happened to the cash. So they went on a quick search and found out that the wildlife project had been delayed and the funding was used to build the Steel Taipan Roller Coaster. Upon further research, they found out that uh, some people in the government did actually approve of this. This was not Dreamworld ripping off the government, uh, because since Dreamworld was closed for a long time due to the COVID pandemic, uh, they decided to focus on things that would get bodies back into the park first. And so they moved the money to build a roller coaster. Keep in mind, uh, Australia has, in the last couple of years, dealt with fires a chlamydia outbreak amongst its koala population, and not one but two major periods of flooding, all of which have just decimated the koala population. Um, but, you know, flip side of that, there's a new roller coaster. Sigh. This next story is a bit of a cautionary tale and also kind of talks about how, you know, things can go really wrong, even with uh, two good zoos and, and create a lot of financial issues. So um, the Australia Zoo was going to move their last elephant, who was named Burma, to Auckland Zoo. Uh, after um, Burma's uh, paddock mate uh, had moved away as well to the Taronga Western Plains Zoo, um, Burma became the only elephant at Australia Zoo. And since they are generally considered a social species, it was thought that the best thing to do would be to move Burma to a different place. So the Auckland Zoo was all about it and uh, has a family herd that they were expecting Burma to be accepted into. However, long story short, there were all kinds of issues with government permitting and getting the permits in time and enough information being given to everyone and all this stuff that happened. So meanwhile, the Auckland Zoo, expecting a, um, a new elephant, did more than $400,000 worth of habitat modifications to get ready for Burma. The Australia Zoo, meanwhile, booked a flight for the elephant. The flight cost $260,000. But after all kinds of issues, many which seem to happen behind doors, led to the permit to move this specific elephant from the Australia Zoo to the Auckland Zoo. It's not like they're shutting down ever moving elephants or anything. Uh, the deal was off. And now Burma is still living alone at the Australia Zoo, which they are working on getting her to somewhere else. And, um, they were out all that money. The uh, the Australia Zoo actually was able to refund the uh, $400,000 to Auckland Zoo that they spent on renovations for Burma. And um, the cost of the flight, half of it was refunded and half is being kept as credit for when Burma does find a new home. But yeah, that's two zoos that at least temporarily are out $660,000 because of some confusion over government permitting. Uh, it, it really gives some interesting perspective on what it's like to move, especially some of these large animals, uh, you know, for SSP or even in this case, just for a, a welfare reason. A current outbreak of foot and mouth disease in Victoria has led zoos in Victoria to stop offering close-up encounters with certain animals to protect them from catching the disease. All giraffe, kangaroo, and elephant animal encounters will not be available at the moment. 
a entire area of Melbourne Zoo has also been blocked off to the public uh, because Asian elephants walk between paddocks, uh, you know, when the crowds aren't there, using some of the same paths that humans use when they are there. So that could be a problem. So that whole area is closed for right now. And also, uh, if you are a person who lives with any livestock except for horses, uh, you are asked not to visit the zoo at the moment, as well as if you've been to Indonesia recently. I'm always so fascinated to see how zoos handle these diseases that, that travel and, and happen and have outbreaks. And it's, it's, it's always interesting to see. The team at Wildlife Sydney Zoo, a friend of this podcast, uh, has announced that their beloved saltwater crocodile, Rocky, has passed away. Um, unfortunately, Rocky was found unresponsive by the team as they did their normal checks on Saturday of last week. And uh, while they tried to save him, it was too late. He had passed away. And they still are not sure of what the cause of death is, although a full investigation is underway. Uh, Rocky was truly beloved, and something that I really love about this is Wildlife Sydney Zoo is already closed two days a week, but they closed an additional two days that week uh, to help their staff uh, mourn and recover. Obviously, they still had to work and take care of the animals, but uh, they gave them two days to to try to make everybody come to terms with this. And, um, you know, while I know that's not something that can happen for all animals that die in zoos, I, I think it's a really beautiful gesture. Condolences to everyone at the zoo for their loss, but uh, also, you know, gold star for the mental health stuff. I really appreciate seeing that. There is a new law being proposed in Australia that would give koalas the highest level of protection of any animal species in Australian history in order to save this iconic species. It involves the building of so many new roller coasters. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The proposed Koala Protection Act puts caveats on land clearing and development across all the habitat areas of koalas. This includes up to 1.5 million square kilometers of forest, which is 20% of the Australian continent. That is incredible. Now, you may remember from earlier episodes that it was just earlier this year that koalas were officially declared endangered in Queensland. And uh, this will help with that situation greatly, hopefully. Hopefully this incredible bill passes. And then last but not least in our uh, Pacifica section, we're going to throw it to New Zealand, uh, which I know is not Australia. I have watched all of Flight of the Concords, and I understand that there is a difference. But the rest of the world doesn't think so, friends. Um, and I wanted to just uh, give some props to Wellington Zoo, which has become the first zoo in the world to be accredited with the Rainbow Tick Certification. Um, this accreditation solidifies Wellington Zoo's position as a safe and welcoming environment for members and allies of New Zealand's rainbow community. So this is an LGBTQIA plus initiative, and uh, it's really cool. Um, part of the plan even includes approving the provision of two weeks paid leave for anyone transitioning. This is really impressive and uh, awesome work, Wellington Zoo. Yay! Stereotypical animal podcast theme song. Here to bring it to conservation news. 
We start off with some great news out of Argentina this week, uh, where conservationists are celebrating the birth of two Argentine jaguars born in the country's wetlands. This is the first wild birth of jaguars in this area in more than 70 years. Um, the mother was actually just put back into the wetlands through a repopulation project last year, and the father is a Brazilian jaguar that was donated to the repopulation project back in 2019. There are in total around 250 jaguars in the wild in Argentina, so this is a really exciting birth. I'm, I'm just excited. Jaguars are awesome. And in talking about repopulation, we also have to mention that cheetahs are set to be reintroduced to India uh, for the first time since they went extinct there 70 years ago. This is really cool. So this is going to be some African cheetahs that will be transported from Namibia to the Kuno Wildlife Sanctuary, which is a national park in the central state of Madhya Pradesh after a deal was signed between the African nation and India. This is really exciting. The hope is that not only will this... Um, you know, help grow a cheetah population in India, which has been missing, like I said, for 70 years. But also, um, the area of India that they are being reintroduced to has had a loss of biodiversity at an accelerated rate, even compared to the accelerated rate of loss of biodiversity that a lot of our planet is facing. And it is believed that reintroducing cheetahs will help to stem this issue. That's because cheetahs are one of the top predators in the area, and as such, they will restore some balance to the natural order through being at the top of the food chain. The overall goal of the project is to uh, reintroduce 50 cheetahs throughout various parks in India over the next five years. There is uh, some concern that it will be a challenge because... Um, African cheetahs are not the same subspecies that actually lived in India, which was the Asiatic cheetah. Um, they are habitat specialists and generally require large grasslands, which uh, India does not always have. So there are some conservationists that are concerned about whether or not this will work, but they're going to give it a shot. And that's why they're doing a slow introduction over, like I said, the next five years. So um, I'll be very curious to see how the cheetahs take to India and if this helps with um, both restoring a cheetah population to India and also uh, restoring biodiversity. In sadder news, the IUCN has officially announced the extinction of Chinese paddlefish and wild Yangtze sturgeon in the wild. They also moved 17 species to the critically endangered category, three to the endangered category, and five to the vulnerable category, showing that just in general, we are still wreaking havoc on this planet and all of the animals that live here. Well, not all of them. Deer are doing fine in general, but like most of them. And one of the species that has now been officially made an endangered species is shocking to a lot of people who find out about it. The migratory monarch butterfly, which um, if you live in North or South America, you have probably heard a lot about because it is known for its uh, annual 2,500-mile journey that they take uh, while migrating every year, uh, has officially been named an endangered species. 
Over the past decade alone, the population of the migratory monarch butterfly has shrunk by as much as 72%. And uh, you guessed it, the number one cause for that shrink is humans. Logging and deforestation have destroyed substantial areas of the butterfly's winter home in Mexico and California. And because of that, um, there just aren't as many migrating anymore. It's, it's a really big issue. These, these butterflies are dying off at an insane rate. And of course, they're also dealing with pesticides, which can kill them, and just, you know, standard climate change stuff that uh, we're doing and talk about all the time. So yeah, monarch butterflies, which not that long ago were very easy to see, are now an endangered species. Crazy to think of it. And while we're on the subject of extinctions and becoming more um, endangered, two studies recently came out that together point to the idea that the most distinctive birds are the birds that are at the highest risk of extinction. Uh, this is for a couple of different reasons. The first of which is that a lot of the most unique birds are highly specialized. Animals like the toucan, for instance, are highly specialized and serve a very specific, very important, but not super well-represented ecological niche. And a lot of those ecological niches are disappearing as uh, populations get more damaged by human and other issues. Um, the second reason is that as the world continues to uh, heat up, more and more bird species are likely to move to cooler regions in the face of this climate change, and as such, genetically will homogenize because that is how evolution works. So, um, yeah, as it becomes, you know, less good for a bird to be a tropical species because they're going to cooler regions, um, yeah, they're going to start to lose some of those distinctive flavors that, that make these distinctive birds so incredible. So when you put these two studies together, it looks like the most distinctive birds are the ones we're going to lose next. And that's really sad. But okay, there is some happier news in the world of conservation uh, this week. Tiger numbers are up 40% from just back in 2015. That is absolutely incredible. This is thanks to improved monitoring techniques and conservation programs. Uh, so it is believed that there are between 3,726 and 5,578 tigers in the wild. And even though the the population is still considered endangered. Their population is stable and increasing. That is hugely great news for tigers. And I'm excited that I'm sharing it on an episode that drops on International Tiger Day. Yay! And last but not least this week in conservation news, uh, last week tonight, the show featuring John Oliver has yet again made the podcast by doing a really cool thing for conservation. I'm not entirely sure that John Oliver isn't like just a fan who really wants to hear himself on the podcast. Anyway, the team at Last Week Tonight has purchased every single doll plastic doll, that is, that they could find that had washed up on beaches and are weirdly being sold online because um, that's what the internet does? I don't know. It's really weird. But uh, they are getting rid of um, all of these 
dolls and making sure that they can't go back into the ocean by buying them all and then um, figuring out how to destroy them. And on top of that, they're making a $10,000 donation to the Turtle and Marine Wildlife Rehabilitation Program because obviously plastics in waters hurt turtles and marine wildlife. So uh, yay, John Oliver and the whole team at Last Week Tonight. And thanks for being a fan, friend. (laughs) I wish. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, now, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the park on other news. Okay, so this first story is really awesome. Um, There was recently a tiger that had three cubs at a zoo in India. And uh, one of the tiger cubs is tricolor, white, yellow, and black, which the zoo in question claims is the only tiger in the world with that coloration. Another one of the siblings actually... um, is completely black above and white below, while the third is mostly black and partly yellow, which uh, is is a couple of weird combinations. So not quite sure what's going on there. But um, yeah, there is a tricolor tiger in the world, and that's pretty exciting. And last but certainly not least this week, a walrus in Norway is uh, causing some trouble. A Walrus that is named Freya has, um, honestly, thanks to the internet, created a bunch of fans for herself and also created a bunch of enemies because she is hanging out in harbors in Norway and hauling herself up to lounge on the boats. All 1,500 pounds of her. This is especially problematic for people who own boats that cannot handle a 1,500-pound walrus jumping on top. So, yeah, it seems that a lot of the actual boat owners are not fans of Freya. However, thanks to this story spreading online, people are flocking to the harbors in Norway to try to see Freya in action. Um, Unfortunately... Uh, Both the people that try to get rid of her and all of her ardent fans showing up and being loud uh, has been incredibly stressful and overwhelming for her. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really a bummer. Uh, She doesn't get any peace. And um, even the TV news crews keep getting too close to Freya trying to to get pictures and video and in the process often trapping her so that she can't get away. Um, And also there have been harbor officials that trail her and spray her with a hose to try to keep her off of boats. Uh, And in general, walruses try to relax around 20 hours a day. So uh, this is actually not a particularly healthy thing for Freya. As of now, the government is doing everything that it can to get people to stay out of Freya's way, and they have mentioned that relocation is a possibility if the situation worsens significantly, but they 
don't want to do that, and they have definitely ruled out euthanasia. So that's really good news, um, and I'm, I'm pretty pleased about that. So, uh, yeah, uh, this happens from time to time. Freya is not the first walrus that has ended up in Norway, and it seems like most of the time they stay for about a year or a year and a half and then head back to the Arctic. So uh, most likely, given some more time, Freya will say goodbye and head back home. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right, and that brings us to our animal holidays for the week, and we're getting into a new month, so there is much to discuss. First of all, we are ending out July, which is Parks and Recreation Month, Plastic Free July, National Bison Month, and Wild About Wildlife Month. And then, as I said, on Friday the 29th, when this episode drops, it is International Tiger Day. And then July 31st is both World Ranger Day and National Mutt Day. Then we turn the calendar to August, which is National Parks Month, National Catfish Month, August is for Antelope Month, and Asian Elephant Awareness Month. And they're pretty hard to not be aware of if you see them because they're large and make cool trumpety calls. Anyway, and then uh, for your individual days in August, on the first you have Manga Bay Awareness Day, and the second is Golden Lion Tamarind Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. Awesome sauce. That's another episode done. Yay, we officially have a season three Zoo News. Woo, very exciting stuff. Anyway, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Lara Shank, my red panda level patron, and also thank everybody who contributed stories this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Emily Rockbuck, Dr. Becca Feuer, Ren Howell, Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross, and Danny Poirier Larson. Thank you all for your contributions. And remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards is Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.